Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Ed Marks with you again, Digital Voices. As you know, we're digital voices across all of healthcare to include life sciences, providers, and payers. And speaking of payers, today we have a guest, Hunt Smith. Brett, welcome to Digital Voices. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, I love talking stuff about payers and I want to jump into it. And, And something that our audience will learn about you in just a second is that you do have a law degree. And so before we jump right in, Megan, have you ever thought about a career in law? Not anything that I ever thought about doing. I feel like I've got enough attorneys in my life. My um, my brother-in-law is an attorney. My father-in-law is a ter- an attorney. I have friends that are attorneys. My mom's a paralegal, but did never cross my plate. Now, I'm really excited to talk with you, Brett, because I imagine having that background is very helpful in any career because you really have to learn how to be articulate how to defend arguments. I think it's just probably a great skill set all around. What what do you think, Brett? Absolutely. So I look at my varied background and I have, in addition to the law degree, uh, degrees in computer science and economics, just as providing me different tools in my toolbox. So as you mentioned, having to be articulate, having to be able to explain things to different audiences, being able to look at things from different points of view, whether it's the legal point of view, the economic point of view, or the engineering point of view, being able to come up with creative solutions to problems using all of those hacks. It's its really just been a, a huge boon to me in my career. Yeah. I sometimes reflect on my own career, my own education. I'm like, that's not a bad degree to have, whether you utilize it directly or not, just because of the reasons that we said. But before we get any further, Brett, because my audience will be really mad, you and I first met really just online. I think it's just like uh, in each other's networks and and seeing what we all do on the payer side. And I was intrigued with your with your background. But then the next thing people really want to know is the songs on your playlist. So given the econ background and the law background, computer science, all that kind of stuff, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Well, people wouldn't think about it necessarily uh, looking at me, although your viewers won't necessarily get to do that. But I actually am into hard rock and metal. So some new tracks by Disturbed and by Lacuna Coil, by Godsmack or what's in heavy rotation on my playlist right now. I love that. And actually, I need to explore that, right? Because I was sort of in a heavy metal years ago, you know, a dec- couple decades ago, and sort of morphed and changed a little bit along the way. Still appreciate the old school rock, but I haven't really tried anything new school. And so I wrote those down. I'm definitely going to have to take a listen. So that's pretty cool. Do you play an instrument yourself or you just that's just the type of music you graduated to? Uh, that's just the type of music I graduated to. I can definitely appreciate others playing instruments. And, and my wife is actually a harpist. So definitely have music in our lives. But uh, I myself do not uh, do not play an instrument. Yeah. And I was just thinking back and I'm not going to... That's a problem, right? When you go off script here. But trying to think back to the name of the group that did my favorite cover. So I love Phantom of the Opera. So I'm not a big opera person or, or that big of a Broadway person, but I love that play, that musical in particular. And there was this hard rock metal group out of Finland or somewhere that did a cover of the Phantom. And it, like, it's the best, like Megadeth or something. I can't remember what the name of it, but that's the best cover ever of a, 
Phantom. So that so they're like they're one of those bands are kind of like a screamo band almost. I will certainly have to look that up. I'm gonna find that for everyone in the audience. We'll include that in our show notes. So Megan, r- remind me to make sure. But the female lead of that group, she's actually trained in opera, which is interesting. But the two of her and the lead the lead guitarist, when they do the theme from Phantom, you know, which is both a male and female voice, it's like it's something else. Gives me chills even talking about it. But we'll save that for another time. Someday we're going to have a podcast exclusively talking about music. (laughs) So, Brett, what about any mantra or quote or life message that you have, sort of these words that you live by? I don't know about a particular mantra, but in terms of passion uh, and what gets me out of bed in the morning, it's really the opportunity to impact people's lives using technology and, you know, putting my, my knowledge and experience to use in that sense. And so... You know, my area at Humana, one of our responsibilities is the processing of pre-authorizations and referrals from a technology standpoint. And so we get, you know, tens of thousands of those pre-authorizations a day. And each one is the opportunity to impact someone's life, you know, their healthcare, which is one of the most important things in your life, right? It's your health and your finances. So, you know, tens of thousands of times a day, the work that my team is doing, make sure that someone gets the right care in the right place at the right time. And that is just powerful and gets me out of bed in the morning, gets me to attack my day. Yeah, I love that. And thanks for sharing that perspective, you know, because oftentimes we think of it almost like exclusively from the provider side, like, okay, I touch patients and I'm taking care of patients. But actually, the work, the service that you and your team does and payers do is just as important, right? It's it's super important to the whole thing. Because at the end of the day, as you mentioned, there's a patient. So I love that perspective. And I did fail to mention that you serve as vice president clinical segment, the CIO at Humana. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. So how you got there, we already sort of touched on pieces of it, where, you know, you've got these different degrees, you've served at, at Epic. And so tell us about that journey, because I think people would be fascinated how you sort of uh, meandered your way to where you are today. Uh, sure. So I graduated from law school into, uh, unfortunately, an economic downturn, uh, not unlike the one we're seeing today. And so had a bit of my path altered, right? I thought, you know, graduating from law school, uh, prior to law school, I'd been a, an engineer at a startup company. And you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to, that's behind me. I'm going to go into the legal field. Well, with the economic downturn, those opportunities dried up. And so I found myself, you know, looking for, for a role. I was fortunate to find one at Epic Systems. Sort of was a combination role where they wanted to use a lot of my different talents. But the majority of the work I was doing there was with integrations, working to, you know, with their implementing customers to make sure that all the pieces of their, you know, their EHR and their bed tracking system and their infusion pumps and their lab systems and radiology and whatnot all work together. Enjoyed that work, really enjoyed seeing the impact that that could make, you know, being in the hospital, being in the clinics and, and seeing the impact it was making on a daily basis. But didn't so much enjoy the uh, travel that was involved in that. That was a uh, let's be on the road pretty much Monday to Friday every week sort of sort of role. So left there after after a while and and found myself at at Humana. Been at Humana now a little over eleven and a half years, and you know held a number of of roles within the company during that time. As you said, right now I'm the segment CIO for our clinical segment. So. For Humana, that encompasses two things. I'd mentioned utilization management and our pre-auth and referral process. My team uh, supports all the technology needs for. And we also support the technology needs for our care coordination and care management uh, aspects. So also 
you know, everything that is, is touching these patients and members' lives uh, to make sure they're getting that right care. Yeah, and you were able to move probably out of the cold weather of uh, Wisconsin into some war- warmer climate, maybe. Absolutely. Uh, it didn't hurt that the day of my, my interview, which was in a February, I got on a plane in freezing cold in Wisconsin and got off and uh, it was admittedly raining in Louisville, Kentucky, but it was uh, about 30 degrees warmer. So I thought maybe this isn't so bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So for the uninitiated, what is the tech stack like in a typical pair? Because a lot of our audience does come from the provider side, even though we cover all segments of healthcare. So they're sort of used to, you know, maybe the major systems. Can you sort of describe sort of the major systems that might be there in a payer company? Sure. And of course, this is going to vary from payer to payer. But in the largest payers, we've all been around for a long time. So whenever you've been around for a long time, you tend to accumulate a wide variety of technology. So we have everything from, you know, some of the latest sort of technologies running in the cloud all the way through mainframes that are processing claims, you know, high volume, high scale calculations. And, and everything in between. We divide mostly by sort of functional areas. So as I mentioned, I oversee clinical, but then there are groups that oversee uh, sort of our core member data and enrollment and every other area under the sun. Plus, of course, all the you know, standard infrastructure, security and all those things. But it's, it's really a, a wide variety of technologies that have been added on over time and upgraded and whatnot, as you would expect. What do you think generally, we're not talking about Humana, but generally when you think about providers and payers, is, are, is one segment more advanced technology-wise than others, or do you think it's about the same? I think it's about the same. I, I think across both, you know, you have sort of the stalwarts that have been in the industries for a long time, and, and they'll be the ones that probably have that greater hodgepodge of things because they have had to grow over time. And then you'll have the new entrants who may be smaller, growing faster, et cetera. And they're able to start from a clean sheet. So they may have a more quote unquote advanced technology across the board. But I think on the whole, there's, there's some in each area that are leading and some that are lagging. Yeah. I think that's valid. Yeah. You have some new entrants. Like I, I know on the payer side, I worked with uh, Oscar Health, for instance. You know, they didn't have any of the legacy. Uh, so they could start off straight out in the cloud, you know, that sort of thing. So there's, there's definitely pros and cons. And you see the same thing on the provider side with some of the new entrants that are virtual first. So they don't carry any of the, sometimes the burden of a mainframe or something. And But but there's a trade-off for, for both. So what do you wish, or is there anything that you wish providers knew more about payers? Because you're really lucky, Brett, that you came out of Epic. You got all this experience. You know what it's like on the provider side. So you're sort of unique in that you understand both sides. And, and not that, you know, a lot of times people are, either a career in the payer, career in the provider, and not often do you get a mix like yourself. So is there something that you wish providers knew more about payers? Sure. And I think we're generally good about spreading this more, but it, it doesn't hurt to, to say again, for a payer, it's not good business to not provide care to our members. So we're not in the, in the business of getting in the way of the provision of care. We want to partner with providers make sure that the patients are getting the right care and what is the most effective care to get them back to being healthy. And that's good business. It's a good way to, to live and it's a good outlook. And it, it really gets our folks excited to be that partner in a patient's health care and making sure they're healthy uh, just as much as, as on the provider side. Uh, so we really do want to partner and really do want to make sure that 
you know, those, those patients are getting and staying healthy. That's a really good point, right? Because you're right. Cause, and you have that experience on the provider side where they'll quickly point over at a payer and say, oh, you know, you're, you're always saying no, or you're doing this or that. But the truth of the matter is that you're, par- you're a partner in the overall care of, and well-being of that member and that patient and uh, all trying to do the right thing, uh, the best thing for that individual. So that's something that, that that's why I love having you on today talking about this, because, you know, a lot of times it's easy just to point the finger out of frustration in, in some case and not really understand the big picture uh, that we're all in this working together. And we approve far more things than we say no to. Like, yeah. it's not even close. We, way more, the vast, vast majority of, of requests get approved. And the vast majority of requests actually don't even need a, a pre-authorization. Yeah. We're in the business of making sure people get the right care. I completely agree. And I, that is a good thing for providers to know more about uh, payers. You know, before we leave the whole sort of payer segment and, and go into digital transformation and talk a little bit about leadership, I'm curious, you know, I see this trend with uh, payviders where uh, hospitals are moving into having an insurance product and uh, also, right, payers are moving into having a clinical product. But so this whole notion of payviders, have you seen an increase in that? What, what are your thoughts? I think there has been this convergence over many, many years, right? Even if, if you look across the industry, Kaiser certainly stands out as a huge example, right? But there's examples beyond that. Uh, everywhere from pretty much every region of the country, whether it's sort of UPMC in Pennsylvania or, you know, Providence on the West Coast, they're all, what are we doing in terms of combining hospitals, primary care providers and specialists and the, the uh, payer aspect? And I, I think there's good reasons for that. Uh, you know, certainly you see the ability anytime you're integrating across an industry you can control your supply chain, if you will, right? It's a good business to be in. And there's certainly synergies too. If, if everyone is on the same team, whether it's the nurse care manager at the payer, it's the you know, utilization management nurses, it's the primary care, they're all in the same company, they're on the same team, not just virtually, but actually, right. then they can, they can work together maybe even more closely than we can where they're separate companies. I think we, we can get there when they're separate companies, but they're just more natural barriers. So I think we'll see that increase. There are some perhaps limitations to it. You really have to be careful how you think about incentivizing different roles, right? Because you know, if your insurance company and PCPs are succeeding, then your hospitals shouldn't be very full, right? You should be keeping people out of those hospitals right. because they don't need the care outside of you know emergencies and things like that. But how do you think about your hospitals as, as generating revenue then? Do you use more space for you know hospital outpatient departments, outpatient services? things like that, more flex space. I think we'll have to get, and by we, I mean the industry, the industry will have to get more creative around how we think about particularly hospitals in that combined model. Yeah, you know, a generation ago, when I first started off as a CIO, maybe 20 years ago, where we had an insurance product at this One Health system, and we divested it because of the, you know, the conundrum that, that you were describing. Uh, if one succeeded, it was at the cost of the other because, you know, no one was will, willing to, to be creative in the model. It was like, it was binary. It wasn't, you know, something that flowed in between. And then then when I went to my next house, it was the exact same thing where they had a, a very robust payer arm, but it came at the expense. Again, it doesn't have to be that way. It's just the way the model was back then came at the expense of the hospitals, provider side. And there was this big, you know, big to do. And so they we ended up divesting the the pair part. So it's always interesting to watch it come back and forth. 
but to your point, you know, as long as the patient, the member stays in the center and you get creative about the whole model, I can see why some people would go to that sort of uh, strategy, whether it's a payer or provider. So yeah, it's very interesting to, to watch. So let's move on a little bit into digital transformation, kind of buzzword, I know. But what is your role? Like you're, you know, as you mentioned, you've got the clinical segment at Humana. And I imagine it's not business as usual. I imagine, Brett, the reason that you've been promoted up through the ranks is because you had sort of this uh, creative um, sort of transformational uh, mindset. Yeah, and there's transformation in, in many aspects, right? Certainly, the technologies that we used over the years have evolved. What we used, you know, five or 10 or 15 years ago aren't necessarily what we use today. You know, creating better experiences for our users. Most of the technology that that we create within MySpace is not directly member facing. It's either used by providers to enter data or more often by internal Humana clinicians in their work with providers and with members. So they're, you know, speaking over the phone and they're using our systems while they're doing that. So we have transformed that experience and made it more efficient, easier to use and, and so on. But I think more important is the transformation in how we work. When I started and even you look back even five, six, seven years, we were very much in a, a waterfall development methodology. Long lead times for things, uh, you know, quarterly releases. Every once in a while, you get you know random releases a little faster than that, but but not very often. Now we're we're moving into a world of, of greater agility, uh, especially in our obviously in our technology space, but also with our business partners themselves, right? And you know, the markets always seem to be moving faster and faster, and so our ability to react to that needs to faster and faster. And that's actually the biggest transformation that, that I've been driving is moving our organization to an area where we can actually support that, that type of, of agility, whether it's new technologies in our DevOps space that enable the you know, continuous integration, continuous deployment, better testing, testing automation that enables us to get things out faster, more configuration in our tools that enable change without quote unquote traditional IT being involved at all. Those are the types of transformations that get us closer, not only closer to business, but closer to the speed at which the business needs to operate and are so significant for getting to where we need to be. Has all of Humana moved to sort of an agile methodology or is it sit in pockets? Um, it sort of started out in pockets, but more and more of the, the company is moving in that direction. You know, you can't, you can't change everything overnight in a large company, but you can, you know, test it out, try it out see where it's succeeding, and then spread the, the learnings from those areas. And we're in that stage of, of spreading the learnings and, and really continuing to make that transformation. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I have a lot of experience with Agile as well. When I was in uh, first in New York City, I was exposed to it. It was only our PMO really that operated in that fashion. And then when I went to Cleveland Clinic, we blew out the whole IT, was completely Agile, and it caught the attention of our of the business partners that we supported, and they started doing agile, whether it was finance, some finance, some HR. So it's very interesting just how it worked because it, it really is a great a great way to uh, really, if you want to get to digital transformation, that that's a key way of doing it. And by the way, the name of the band because I know everyone's like waiting. It finally came to me. Uh, everyone's like with bated breath. Oh, come on, Marks, why can't you uh, remember the name of the band? Is Nightwish. So if you ever. I have Nightwish, heard Nightwish. Yes, they're yeah. they're good. Yeah, so do look up Nightwish Phantom of the Opera and you won't regret it. Probably my one of my top 10, you know, favorite songs uh and it's it's done by them. And they've got some other good music as well, but I was just when you were talking about 
you know, modern rock. I was like, and they're not even that modern. They're probably like ten, going back 10 years. I don't even know if they're still together. But, but anyways, modern for me as I'm uh, getting older, I guess. So let's talk a little bit about leadership. You, you alluded to it a little bit. When you got to Humana, you obviously didn't come in as CIO, but you worked your way up the ranks in successive roles. I, I can't remember if it was uh, three or four different roles. And you, you know, are very super successful. What would you say to other people listening that might be in that first tier or second tier role that aspired to become a CIO, uh, a senior leader such as yourself? What are some things that you think really worked for you that management noticed and promoted you? So I think it was a, a few things. One, obviously using a diversity of, of background and diversity of interest. You know, and I think that plays in a number of ways for, for a younger person that's coming out of school, you, you know, don't focus just on pure technology, perhaps bring your whole self in to whatever it is you're doing. Even if you, you know, maybe you only have, well, sure, one degree, fine, but you would have other interests. You would have other knowledge from just living, bring all of that to work and be your whole self at work. That's a big thing. Don't be afraid to speak up on my. Second day at Humana, I was a project manager at the time and considerably younger than I am now. And, you know, I was placed into a meeting functionally just to listen with a number of senior leaders, including the CFO of one of our large business segments. During the meeting, I, I was listening and paying attention and, and something caught my, caught my ear. Uh, and so during the next break, I went up to that CFO and asked if he thought about a particular legal issue that might face what he was trying to do. And he sort of got a little pale and said, well, no, I haven't thought of that. And I ended up sort of functionally derailing where he was trying to go, which might scare many sort of young and more entry. It wasn't quite an entry level, but sort of entry level role folks into not saying anything. But on the contrary, things like that, and even that instance itself helped get me noticed, pushed me forward, right? I was willing to speak up, willing to share what I knew and be passionate about what I was doing. And I think that's a real, real driver and a real, if you will, secret to my, my success is, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. You're there for a reason. Bring your whole self in and use everything you know to, to push yourself and your, your work and your team forward. Yeah, Brett, that's a really good, that's like a, a pearl of wisdom right there for our listeners. And I had a similar situation where I was, you know, early in my career and I said, I spoke up at a meeting and the CFO was there actually, same role. And uh, it took a lot of uh, fortitude to say it, but I knew it was the right thing and I said it. And he stopped the entire meeting and said, who are you? And I told him my name, you know, gulp, you know, told him my name. And then that led to my career just taking off. And I think people appreciate, good leaders appreciate those who are willing to say something, share an opinion, share it. You don't want to be obnoxious, obviously, but there's a way of stating it. And that's how you get noticed. If you keep it to yourself, then you don't add much value. That's really good counsel. What about how do you recharge your batteries? So, you know, I can tell, I know from what I know about you, Brett, that, that you spend a lot of time in your craft at work and doing great things for your organization, for the patients and members that you serve. But obviously, you have to take time to sort of refresh and recharge. What are some things that you do to sort of get away and keep yourself, you know, from uh, becoming a workaholic? Well, I don't know if I've been successful in keeping myself from being a workaholic. But interestingly, technology is actually a, a passion and hobby of mine outside of my work. So most of my work deals with software. So I tend to actually fiddle with hardware around the house and, and like to, you know, 
build things with my hands and whatnot. Obviously, I like to spend time with my family. I have a four-year-old son. So as he's growing, getting to do more and more with him and expose him to the things that I like to do when I was, was that age. But I also like in terms of think time and that sort of calm recharging of batteries. I'm a cyclist. So I'll get on, on my bicycle and, and go for a longer ride and not, not, not listen to music. I like to be aware of what's around me, you know, cars and whatnot. But uh, you can just be out there with you and the machine and, you know, the, the sun and the wind. And it really, really is calming and lets you put your thoughts together in a way that is, is difficult to do when you're, you know, staring at your email inbox or something like that. Yeah, th- that is a nice thing. I'm a cycl- I do cycling as well. And yeah, you can't be distracted. Uh, you can't check email. And yeah, and if you're a smart cyclist like you are, you don't listen to, you got to be attuned to what's going on around you. So you're not like uh, listening to anything. And it's just you, you know, it's just thinking and, and being with yourself. And uh, that's really great. We covered a lot. It's hard to believe that uh, 30 minutes has passed by. We covered a lot, everything from probably more into music than we normally go into. And just learning more about the payer side and how the payer side sort of thinks what, and how, what the approach is to member services and sort of the technology stack. Talked about what providers can learn you know, more about payers and, and vice versa. And we talked about digital transformation a lot on Agile. And we talk about leadership, just, you know, some of your basically, you know, what would you say to recent grads is, is what we talked about, how to recharge your b- batteries and remain fresh. What did we miss or maybe that you'd like to double down on, Brett? I'd like to leave you, you know, give you the last word. Sure. I think one more point to uh, perhaps some of the recent grads or younger listeners. One of the big things that also helped jump my career forward was seeking out mentors. And not just mentors in technology, but mentors across the company. Fundamentally, Mana, of course, is a large payer. So I sought out and was actually found some folks who were very receptive, always very receptive to being a mentor to me who were in the quote unquote business side, who were driving these plans and how they were built and relationships with providers and things like that. And well, they didn't teach me anything about technology. In fact, for one of them, I had to help him set up his first Apple Watch because that was advanced for, for him. <laughs> they taught me a ton about how a health plan operates. And then I can bring that back into the technology discussions that I have with my business partners to say, okay, well, you're working on this function. We're trying to make it more efficient. I know what you've asked for is this. Well, what if we also do this other thing? Because I can actually think through the process and not just the tech. And so finding those mentors and really getting a lot out of those mentoring relationships, which is as much on the mentee as it is on the mentor, is huge. Uh, And then on the flip side, for folks who are maybe more mid-career or even still early career, pay that forward. When someone, even if you've only been around the company for a year, two years, three years, when someone's just joining or is junior to you or is in a different area and wants to learn about your area, be that mentor to them. So seek out mentors, learn from them, and pay it forward. It's huge. I'm a huge believer in in mentoring and the power of that within companies and even even across company boundaries. Yeah, that's excellent words of advice to end on. Yeah, definitely. I know my career is only because of the mentors I had, and as a result, I'm so thankful that I'm willing to mentor others. You know, because other people help me. So, yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent. Listen, Brett, thank you so much for being on our show, and I, I'm sure our listeners learned a lot more about the payer side that they've not known, and so. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That wraps up this edition of Digital Voices. 
Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.